Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. We said last week, uh, what, 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 who's the audience? Are there, are there repetitions of words that are being used here? What stands out to you? Do you sense, you know, maybe sometimes God will, you'll sense a wall you're putting up. But why am I putting up a wall against what God is saying? It's a very self-examining time, and God would love to help you with that. The A stands for application. How do I make it personal? Okay, I'm learning it. I'm understanding it. God is speaking to me, but how do I apply this to my life? What changes do I need to make? Is there action I need to take? And then I love this part, prayer. Pray it back to God. Pray it back to him. Pray that scripture back to him. Pray back what he spoke to you. I mean, don't go away without praying his word. And you know what I think? I think I, when I, what encourages me to do this, because you're going to see, oh, that's a good idea, and it doesn't get done. Live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do that, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to take time today to spend with the God's word and listen to him and speak to him and soap his word. You live every day like he's coming back today, he's coming back tomorrow. You're going to make room in your life. For him, And it's such an important part. He wants, to, he wants to speak into your life. And he wants to do so many good things. More than we can dream and know of. But we got to say, God, here am I. Here am I. And go to his word. And listen to him. And pray to him. Last week we talked about the importance of memorizing scripture. Remember that? And a couple of brave souls agreed that they would come today and share with us scripture that they've memorized this week. So first was Lem. Is Lem here? There he is from the very back. He's going to come up and share a scripture that he's memorized. I'll put this back up so we can hear him. Come on up, my friend. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29 says, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest unto your souls. From that scripture, I took learn of me. We read in scripture that says, if you hide my word in your heart, that you might not sin against thee. And if we do that when things are tough, then we will have the peace that passes understanding. Amen. Thank you, Lim. Just thank you for sharing that with us. And then uh, Pastor Ray's going to come up. He, he volunteered last week as well. I'm not sure why I volunteered, because it's a lot harder to memorize now than it used to be. <laughs> That's because you're older, Ray. <laughs> so I, I may have to uh, cheat a little bit. So I'm reading in Isaiah. No, no, no. And Isaiah 57, uh, 15 says this. And and then I'll try to say it. This is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever and whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. But also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. So the high and lofty place. But also the ones. He also lives with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. So I'm sure you agree with me that there's some repetition in here which makes it confusing for a uh, older mind. This is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever and whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also I'm going to do it. (laughs) uh... 
but also with him who is contrite and humble in Amen. spirit. Amen. Isaiah 55, 57, 15. Yeah, boy. Did you, did you pick someone for next week? Did you ask someone for next week? Did you ask someone for next week? Oh, could I? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, if I could do it, then you can do yeah. it. And so, uh, Mark has just asked me if I would ask for a couple of volunteers for next week. So I'll, I'll count to three, and then I want to see a few hands go up. One, two, One, three. I see uh, Sam and Derek. Good. Okay. Wow, good job. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? When people share from the Word of God, it's so powerful. It impacts you. And uh, we're going to see how the early church impacted their world. And the, the scripture that we're taking, this is the beginning of it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we looked at last week, and also to fellowship. And that's where we're going to focus and camp on today. This area where the church decided they would devote themselves also to the area of fellowship. Now, as we look at this area, let me ask you a quick, quick question. Why are we here? Quick answer. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. That's right. And, you know, and part of that, why we're here is God, he wanted a family. He wanted a family who he could love forever, to worship him, to know him. And for those of us who are parents, we get this. Do you remember the day when you and your spouse said, we want children? <laughs> And, you know, even though the mother knows giving birth can be a painful experience, even though mom and dad realize it will cause them financial strain, even though they know there'll be times when their son or daughter will disappoint them, disobey them, maybe even cause them grief, they want to have a family. They want to extend their loving marriage relationship to include others they can love. They want a family, and guess what? So does God. And we are made in his image. So it shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us that he feels the same way that we feel. God wanted a family, even though it would come at a great cost. He, he wanted a family, even though it meant Jesus would suffer in a way that we can never comprehend or understand. But he suffered. God wanted a family, even though we would turn against him and disobeyed him. God wanted you. And our Bible says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love this. I love this line. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God wants you. Can you whisper to yourself, God wants me. God wants me. And God wants you to live with him forever because you know this verse better than any. For this is how God loved the world. Again, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He, he wants you to be in his family. He wants to bring you home to live with him forever in heaven. However, and this is why you know, we, we preach the word, is we've got to remind ourselves being part of God's family and living with him in, for heaven forever is conditional. God's love isn't conditional. It, it's unconditional. His love is unconditional. But being part of his forever family is. The Bible says, but to all who believed in him, 
All who accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And while God created everybody, and he loves everybody, not everybody is in the family of God. You were created by God, you're loved by God, but being part of God's family is conditional. In your sermon notes, you pull those out, you'll see the only way, according to scripture, you can become part of God's family is by believing him. For God so loved the world, but you've got to believe in him. By accepting him, and then by following him. So if you've done that and you're doing this, then you are a son or daughter of God. And if you are a son or daughter, a son or daughter of God, and I am a son of God, what does that make us? Family. family. We are family. And we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And a defining character of God's family is, is the fellowship that God's family has with one another. They devoted themselves to this. I was meeting with a, a young lady I've known since she was very young. I met her in my office this last week. She's 28 now. And I just learned she hasn't spoken with her, her father in eight years. And it broke my heart because I know her father. I know her. And I'm just sitting there trying to take this in that you haven't spoken. Your dad and you haven't spoken to each other in eight years. Is that healthy? Is that way family is supposed to look like? No. And I get it, we're not perfect, we're offended, and that's what happened in a situation, someone's offended, and, but the offense, holding on to the offense, does so much more damage. You know, eight years. That's why we did the series, Bait of Satan. Family, God give us this gift of family. Um, if you were to walk in my office right now, you'll see a picture of my mom, my sister, Anne, and myself. The family I grew up with. We went through a lot when my dad died, Unknown days when my mom was hit by a car going to board meeting. We weren't sure, you know, nine or eight-year-olds that mom was coming home. Financial hardships. But we were a team. We played together. We worked together. We did errands together. And we laughed a lot together. It's funny because I was just, last Friday we were eating supper out in our deck. And my daughter, Bethany, who just had a little, little boy, Lewis, asked me, he said, Dad, like, what book did you read raising us? Because you did, like, thank you. She said, you did a good job raising us. We didn't really rebel. We don't remember any, you know, fights and arguments and, and splitting and not wanting to talk to anybody. Like, what did you do? What book did you read raising us? Can you tell me? Read, raising us. It's love. It's following through. It's when you make mistakes saying, I'm sorry. It's forgiving. It's not holding on to offense. It's following through and disciplining out of love, not anger. You probably know that the, um, the New Testament in the Bible was originally written in the Greek language, not English. Does that surprise you? And the Bibles we read today are translations of the Greek manuscript of the New Testament. So whether you're reading a King James, which is a beautiful version, was translated from the Greek manuscripts in 1611, or the New Trans Living Translation, which I read, which was translated in 1996, it all comes from the same Greek manuscript. However, they spoke English differently in 1611 when they did the King James than they did in 1996 when they did the New Living Translation. That's why Bibles can sound different. But in our scripture text, when it talks about them being devoted to fellowship, the original language uses the word koinonia. Koinonia. Which means sharing, partnership, and community. Where there is koinonia, there is a sense of doing life together. And the good 
and in the challenging. And in your notes are listed, um, because I, didn't, I didn't, wouldn't be able to spend all the time going through these, but what the Bible says, what life looks like together, um, according to the Bible. Koinonia is this, devoted to one another, honoring one another. The Bible says it's living in harmony with one another. It's accepting one another. It is to serve one another in love. It is to be kind and compassionate to one another. It is to admonish one another, which means there's times we need to warn and advise each other because we love you. It's to encourage one another. It's to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It's offering hospitality. As we read today, it's to love one another. Above all else, to love one another. That's what being devoted to fellowship looks like. We need to break it down in the word of God. So if there's any place on earth that should do fellowship well, it should be the church, shouldn't it? We are family. We are brothers and sisters. We may disagree at times. We might even fight a little bit. But more than that, we love one another. We are committed to one another. We don't flee the family once there's some friction or something. Imagine we did that in real life. Mom, I don't like you. I'm gone. But we don't. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I want to listen. I'll love you. And fellowship is marked by a shared life. It's, um, it's the commonality. It's, it's community. We are a family of God with one Holy Spirit, with one purpose, and with one Father. In the early morning of April 9th, 1945, in a Nazi prison camp in uh, Flossenburg, a pastor there by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. And he was executed by special order of Heinrich Himmler, ex, uh, Hitler's executioner. And Bonhoeffer had been arrested two years earlier. And during that two years, he was moved from prison to prison to prison ten different times. Ten different times. With all these moves over a two-year period, Bonhoeffer lost all contact with the outside world. And everyone he knew was now severed from him. And Bonhoeffer been arrested two years earlier, over that two years' time being transferred, being transferred, losing contact. And Bonhoeffer said, this fellowship I lost, this fellowship with believers, was the most precious possession I had. And in my library, there's a book Bonhoeffer wrote before he was arrested and sent to die in concentration camp called Life Together. And the book begins with this opening sentence from Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And in his book, Bonhoeffer talks about how the community and the fellowship available to you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ is not something we should ever take for granted. He writes this. It's in your notes. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of uncomparable joy and strength to the believer. A physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. How inexhaustible, inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. Let him, let her who has such privilege thank God on their knees. And declared his grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in fellowship, Christian brothers and sisters. Wow. Don't take it for granted. 
Using uh, four points that Rick Warren once used in his Purpose Driven Life series, I want to share how we know how in God's family there are four levels of fellowship. The first one is choosing to belong. It's the most basic level. It means that we find a church family and we choose to get connected to it. We belong. The Christian life is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. And you might, and I must choose to find that family where we can, there's many families, there's many good families, but where am I connected? Where's home for me here? Where can I serve? Where can I receive? Where can I give? Where can I minister? Where can I use my gifts? Our, our generation, whether it's true or not, but we are labeled as being very consumer-oriented as a church. We look for churches will do something for us, and if we don't like it, we go somewhere else. Um, and there's a need, good need to look, and there's nothing wrong with that, but at some point, hopefully you can commit. You can invest. You can seek to give. You must choose to belong when, when, when family imperfection raises its head, and every church has humans in it. We count for that. But you, your family, so you commit. You show grace. You love, even when it's hard. Second, learning to share. So we go a little deeper in the family of God. Scripture says all believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. It's not just the physical things that they shared, but they shared the emotional things, the life things, the spiritual things as well. Uh, There's two things we need to note here at this verse. One, you can't develop friendships without meeting together. Sometimes someone might say, you might hear someone say, well, I just don't have any friends and no connections. And well, you got to meet together. And not just once or twice. And you have to invest. You have to humble. You have to listen. You have to show grace. You have to encourage. You have to do all those things. Because you can't develop friendships without sharing. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we do life groups. It's not just to have another activity, another reason to go out one night at the week. In effective life groups, two things happen. Christians meet together, and they share life. And as you share, you open up and become more transparent and vulnerable, the better the meeting together becomes. Does it involve risk? Yeah, it does. You, you, but you're comfortable. You, you share as you're comfortable. But the rewards are so great, outweigh the risks. As we share, we had at our house, we had a great life group Wednesday night. The scripture was relevant and fresh and applicable because it's God's truth, and people were being open about it, sharing about it in their life when they struggle, when, when they've had victory. It just gives you permission to open up and share as well. You may not always agree. No family does, but as you love Jesus and trust him and follow him, and you love, you, you begin to love one another, you begin to accept one another, encourage one another, admonish one another. All those things we read about spur one another along because you love them. Keith Miller, um, in his book, The Taste of New Wine, I think gives us an accurate view of what churches really look like. He says, our churches are filled with people who outwardly look look contented and at peace, 
but inwardly are crying out for someone to love them. Just as they are. Confused, frustrated, often frightened, guilty, and often unable to communicate even within their own families. But other people in the church look so happy and contented that one seldom has the courage or admit his own deep needs before such a self-sufficient group as the average church meeting appears. We, um, wow, once we, and I think it was the last church I was pastoring in, in a church of about 250 to 300 people, over half the men signed up for this course called Conquer Series. And it's a series that deals with sexual temptation and pornography. And like all the men, these men just kept signing up for it. And I was at a ministerial, I think it was in Stratford, with all the, some pastors of my denomination all around. And, and I'm sitting there, and they all had, they looked at me and stopped the meeting and said, Mark, how were you able to get so many men in a culture where there's you know, shame sometimes in the Christian church? Sign up for a course dealing with sexual temptation and pornography. How could that ever happen? And I just said, well, a few guys were willing to open up, extend their hand, and say this is an area of temptation or struggle. And others said, me too. In fact, all but one guy in our church admitted that this was a struggle. And where they would love accountability and help and teaching in. And I'm told today they still have that accountability with one another, encouraging one another, admonishing one another. Because it's fellowship. And the church is devoted to that. Koinonia. When we share out of life. And this is how we share. We share from experience. That, that's when life That's when groups. Life groups. Not only life groups. But the money plan we did. When we sit in tables. And we go around and say. I struggle. I should share with a couple this week. I was in debt in 2008. 2009. And I got out this way. Biblical way. And they were ready to listen. Um, when we share, like in the money plan, we met here for the money plan, people share their stories. It gives you permission to say, I'm struggling with debt as well, or I have this problem, or I need this help. When we do a set free here one day, some of you went out to uh, Steinbach with me, you understand the dynamics of a set free, but a lot of it is being willing to sit down and confess with one another, this is a problem. And there's never been, I haven't heard in, I think over 10,000 people have done this at one Peace coming back to bite someone. Because when you share, the others go, oh, the other two go, me too. Or I have this, or I have that. So you holding each other accountable. You're, you're on the level footing of the cross. Or we do hearing from God in the fall. Or when we do a prayer summit sometime. I know those words don't mean anything to you now, but they're going to mean something powerful in the next year when we meet together and we say, God, I want to hear from you and I want to confess to you and I want to be healed and that happens when we share our experiences with one another. It's sharing our homes, which we talked about today. Pastor Peter read, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or place to stay. Yes. And I'm gonna, we're going to be talking on hospitality later, but let me just ask this question quickly today. Why are we to share in our homes? Why do we do life groups in our homes? Because we can't fellowship in a crowd. I know you think you can, you might be able to do it, 
I know we call potlucks fellowship sometimes, or we have a fellowship room, but it's very difficult with a lot of people to get intimate and personal and get to know someone. You go to someone's home, sit down with a coffee, or sit with eight people in your living room and talk about scripture, there's a better chance of, of this connection happening, this sharing happening. Um, it's easier to do one-on-one one, one one or in small groups. And that's when we really get to know people. That's not visiting after church. I mean, that's important, but you go deeper as you share in each other's homes. Another thing is to share our problems. We're not meant to face problems alone. Paul says in Galatians, share each other's burdens. And in your notes, I love this saying, so I'm going to make sure you get this filled in. When we share joy, it's doubled. And when we share a problem, it's halved. Isn't that great? When you share a joy, it's doubled. It's doubled. People rejoice with you. But when you're sharing a burden with somebody, this is what I'm going through, this is what I need prayer for, suddenly they're taking it on for you too. And suddenly it's halved. That's why we need each other. So sharing is one of the levels of fellowship. And thirdly, doing my part. The third level of, is Partnership. It's realizing that I have a contribution to make that the family of God really needs me. There's something I have that Mark doesn't have. I'm so glad we have people like Jim and George in church because I fix everything with duct tape. <laughs> you come in here and they'd be covered with duct tape. But they know what they're doing. When people treat the church just as a spectator and just kind of watch and let everybody else work, they don't get the richness of serving using their gifts and abilities in God's kingdom's work. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul gives us this metaphorical picture of what common shared life looks like. He says, if the whole body were an eye, if the whole body were like Mark, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all but one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So there are many people, but one family. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I think if there's anything that, that I could say to today that's probably so important, is I remember this. Um, one day, this book says that you and I will stand before God. And we're going to give an account and a review, a survey of our life. An exam, as it were, before we enter eternity forever with him. And the good news is this, God wants us to pass the test. So he's giving you the questions he's going to ask ahead of time. So you can go on the exam prepared. A day will come where God is going to ask you to take a survey of your life. And, and these, these are the, the question, two questions he will ask. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Between you and I, God will say. God won't ask you about your religious background. He won't ask you probably about your doctrinal views or what denomination you're part of or what version of the Bible you read. The only thing that will matter is did you accept what Jesus did for you and did you come to learn, love, and trust him? 
in your life. And then secondly, what did you do with what I gave you? That's why I'm talking about this, because what did you do with your life? All the gifts, all the abilities, all the opportunities, the energy, the relationships, and the resources I gave you, did you spend them on yourself, or did you use them for the purposes God made you for? And I think that's a... Uh, an important message for you in the church today. Because other people out there are going to be caught off guard. They're going to stand before God and go, what? I didn't know. I didn't know. Or I didn't care to know. But you know. You should be prepared. Jesus tells us in the Bible, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. That's why I love the parable of the talents. Each of them giving to their ability. No one's overwhelmed. Each giving according to what they're able to do. And only two of them went to work and returned with a harvest, with, with using what God the Master gave them, applied it and used it for his glory. One said, I just hid it. I was lazy. He was wicked. And he did not enter the kingdom. The truth is we need you. We need what God has given you in the way of your gifting and your abilities, and you need to use them. So in God's family, there are four levels of fellowship, choosing to belong, learning to share, doing my part, and, and finally, and this is probably can be the most difficult, loving believers like family. If you choose to be part of God's family, then know there are some family responsibilities that come with that decision. The biggest responsibility we have once we've been adopted in the family of God is to learn to love everyone else in God's family. That takes grace. That takes a lot of time in God's word. That takes a lot of hearing and correction and some challenges in our lives. But Jesus says, who is the source of our salvation, saying you must love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. So conclusion. What did we learn today? When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, and as a Savior who saves you, God has adopted you into his family. You are, you, are in his, you are heirs of what God has. There is eternal life with him in heaven. And we learned that the defining character of God's family, the church, is marked by its unity, its shared life, its commonality, its community. The word is fellowship. Doesn't it say in the Bible you know that you pass from death to life because of your love for your brother and sister? That's how you know. Do I love them? That, that's kind of like an, uh, what do you call that? Not an acid test. Lit litmus test? Like, do I really love? And in God's family, we learned this. There's four levels of fellowship. Choosing to belong. Choosing to share our experiences, our homes, our problems, our victories. Doing my part, realizing I have a contribution to make, and the family of God needs me. And then loving believers like family. So I would ask you, you lucky people who, fortunate people who are blessed enough to hear the word of God today, who made a decision saying, I'm coming to church, I'm going to hear what God has to say. I'd ask you, where today 
are you at in these level, at what level of fellowship are you at? Have you been made, even made to the first one? You're saying, I'm choosing to belong. I'm committed. I'm there. Are you committed to the family? Are you part of a ministry or a life group with other believers in your church? Have you found a place to serve, to use your gifts and abilities? You can write down your name and say, and this is how I'm serving. This is how I'm giving. This is how I'm, I'm making contribution through how God's given me, how he's equipped me in his ministry. How are you going to answer God when he asks you, what did you do with what I gave you? And how are you in loving family members in your church today? It's being devoted, committed to fellowship. And that's one reason why the early church impacted this world. People saw it, and they're attracted to it. I need that sincere, authentic love for one another. I long for that. We long for that. We, if we can show more grace, say, Mark's good, but just give me some grace in some areas. I'm learning to grow. And I'll do the same for you, because Jesus is our salvation. God is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you for the challenge of your word. Thank you that you care so much for us, that you don't just uh, ignore it, but you come out in your word and tell us, God, we need to be devoted to one another in fellowship and in sharing and belonging and, and loving one another, God. Thank you because, Lord, that's, we, want, we want to be prepared to meet you one day. And um, you're going to ask us about our relationship with, through Christ because that's what the Bible says, through Christ, through Christ we are saved. We belong to your family. And you're going to ask us about our family. How do we, how, what do we, you know, we're going to give back our talents to you that you gave and, and say, how did we use them? What do we have to show for the abilities and gifts and, that you gave us, Lord? Do we invest it for your work or just to better our life? So, Lord, thank you for helping us prepare, giving us the questions ahead of time so we may spend the rest of our days in peace and knowing that we're ready to meet you with joy. And with the satisfaction that comes of serving you and knowing you day by day. Amen. Our worship team will come. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.